You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Welcome to Almost 30. My name's Krista. I'm so glad you're here. And my name's Lindsay, and I'm also very glad you're here. I'm a little stuffed up. <laughs> we are fostering kittens that we're going to keep, and I'm allergic. So what is the protocol? I've been sniffling. Um, I've been taking medication... And, but it's still not, not doing that well. I'm still really stuffy, but it's, I think I'll get over it. I think my immunity will, it's a pseudoscience that I'm, that I'm subscribing to, but I think I'll be fine. What was the impetus for getting the kit kitties? Uh, just wanted, wanted little kittens, wanted to foster and just, mm-hmm. you know, cause I know during this time too, you know, there's a lot going on in shelters. So we wanted to originally do that, but yeah, we're just obsessed with them. They're so cute. They're so cuddly. Come over Every and- second we sit down, they're like on our laps. They're wild, but they have been shitting everywhere. Like oh, shitting everywhere. <laughs> Justin was like, what is going on? I need to find the thread from the other day when I, I think I was over here and we were working. He's like, he was like, every time we shut the door, they're shitting. I shut the door. They're crying so loud. And then they shit in the corner on the yoga mat. He's like, fuck man, I've picked up five turds in the last 24 hours. He's like, it might be their food. Their first turds were solid. Now they spray diabetes everywhere. He's like, they're just insane and they're babies, but they're so cute. So if you guys can foster, I highly recommend. I did it through Stray Cat Alliance in LA. Yeah. I mean, I've been very tempted to get a dog never going to but like i've been very tempted during this time because i feel like it's just um like a little friend yeah and you get to take care of something that kind of takes your mind off of having to take care of and you're home so much everything else. Yes. they love justin because he's still they yes. don't like me as much because i'm not still yes i'll sit down i'm like come sit with me for five minutes and then i get up i'm like gotta go <laughs> but justin will sit there for hours i've been watching a lot i so you got cats, my friend Drew got cats, and watching them on Instagram, I think hands down cats are more entertaining than dogs, even though I like dogs mm. better, but like they are so curious mm-hmm. and they, the, anything is entertaining to them, mm-hmm. whether it's a box or a piece of hair or what have you, like they're just so in it and I love it. They're insane. Dogs don't care. They're psychopaths. <laughs> How's it been? Like, I know Justin works from home and- Obviously, you've been home. How's it been? Yeah, Justin's. So Justin's my fiance, and we've been together like seven years. But yeah, we've both been home, and and he just loves it. He's like yeah. in his element completely, and I am too. But I think I'm ready for some space. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think too. It's you know thinking about being in an apartment. Yeah. You know, like I think it does help to be able to even even go to different levels of the house or maybe go outside. Yes. We were talking the other day about not having, really having an outdoor space and how that's 
kind of challenging. It's obviously a privilege, but I really value like being able to go outside, breaking up the day, doing work outside. But how um, about you guys? Yeah, it's really it's been it's been good and interesting. So Sean, my boyfriend, is here from New York and he flew here during quarantine, which was kind of like a whole stress in itself, meaning like I was worried about what other people would think, my family, friends, et cetera, which is a lesson for me, this quarantine, like not really caring as much. And it was just a decision that he made and I made. And um, it's been really great. He set up Wall Street in my bedroom. So that's <laughs> that's cool. He wakes up at yeah, three. like a ticker on the wall. Ticker on the wall. Uh, we're throwing you ring the bell. We're throwing papers. You ring the bell when this when the when the exchange is open. <laughs> I'm like, trade it. Um, Buy low, sell high. Uh, but he wakes up at three in the morning. You know, like starts his day at three thirty. So it's been an adjustment in that way. And like, I just didn't realize my codependent tendencies when I'm. I've never really lived lived with someone, but I'm just like noticing them pop up. So it's been really good for us, for me to like talk about them in real time when I'm experiencing like, whether it's like I take on his mood or I take something personally that has nothing to do with me, or I really need his validation. If I walk in the room and I've like spent the last 20 minutes doing the dish, you know, like just very weird nuanced things where I'm like, whoa, he has no idea. I'm thinking this right now. So it's upped my communication game. And I think just re retrained my nervous system to be around another independent person. He's very independent. I was like, oh, is this what it feels like to be with me too? Because mm. like, so I really like to be on independent, my own. Independent but codependent. Exactly. Mm. Like, which is weird. It's because I really value my time alone. But when I'm with like a partner in this scenario, I'm very just highly intertwined with their energy. Uh-huh. So it doesn't feel like me, yeah, right? Like me sure. is really like independent and mm-hmm. like good and grounded. So it took me a little bit and it helped to be able to talk it out with him. But yeah, overall it's been, it's been really, really fun. And he's like deep in, in school and work. So it's been cool to kind of see him focus on that and be motivated by that. It actually helps me to be more productive as well. Sometimes sure. I can have the tendency to be distracted if if I have, you know, the person I'm dating here with me. So it's been actually really, really good. We need to call codependent Cody's. Cody's. We should have Cody's. We should have an almost 30 Cody group. <laughs> Anyone who's codependent join so, the almost 30 group. So Cody. So Cody. We should make the Cody sweatshirt. I love that. Like Cody's. There's I love that. Cody's That's our in next the merch world. line. That is our next merch line. <laughs> just a simple crew neck that says Cody. I had a situation the other day and it's just like, you know, it's like fun and weird to have situations that bring you closer, but like let you see parts of the other person. So you guys know I use, and this is between us, you guys know I use the um, flex disc mm. and I... Like notorious for getting like it's a st- menstrual, it's a menstrual, me- menstrual disc. disc. Yeah, sorry. So it's not the easiest to use, but I really, really like it. It it works well for me. Besides, like the taking out of it, and I could not get it out for like over twenty four hours. And I was like, I'm not going to go to the doctor. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So I was like, No, you didn't. Hey, <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, because I was like, This is the right. third time. Yeah. Why are you using the desk? 
Because it works 75% of the time. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. I um, use a kitchen knife before I asked Justin. Well, I used a spoon. That didn't work. Remember in London? I used a st- spoon in London. That didn't work. It eventually just came out. <laughs> You're so, like, my pussy just ate it. I know. It literally feels like <laughs> it does. So I asked him, I was like, hey. Because he saw he he like walked in and I was in the shower trying to like get out. And I was like, do you mind helping me? I was like, you don't have to look. I was like, I can kind of direct you and like what to do. And he did it. And I got him out. No. <laughs> yeah. He's like, and we do like best part, worst part at the end of the day. And that was his best part. That was his high. He's like, hey, listen. He's like, that was weird and gross. He's like, but I'm really glad I could help you out. <laughs> but yeah, just getting closer and closer over here. Yeah. I mean, but I do feel like it, it's been it's been cool to like not take care of anything beauty wise and still feel like, oh, someone, you know, loves me. <laughs> I mean, been a lesson. for sure. But I would love to like get some stuff done and just like look a little bit more presentable and like feel that way again. Yeah. I had a load the other day. I was like, oh, wow. I have brown hair. I have no eyelashes. My body is very interesting and I'm just... I'm just a, a mammoth, but it's whatever, just, riding yeah. the wave. Riding the wave. Peace and love. Riding the wave. And I enjoy I enjoy saving the money. Oh my God. You're telling me. I enjoy me. saving the money and so does my bank account. You are telling me. I'm really excited for today's episode uh, with Joe and Lo of uh, Cured. They also have their own podcast, The Joe and Lo Show. Before we get into that, we just have a few few announcements related to Almost 30. Woo. Our digital, new Paradigm Digital Workshop series is alive and well and something that Chris and I really look forward to. Each month we have a handful and they've been incredible, whether it's uh, human design, astrology, anxiety, new world paradigm talk. Um, it's just been very deep and impactful for our community and those that have attended. So coming up, we have a, a workshop with Natalie Miles, our dear mm-hmm. friend. Amazing on intuition and um, I think she's going to do a channeling, maybe. Yeah, I think she's doing like a, a group channeling. So cool. like kind of what comes through for the group, but we're going to talk about reconnecting with our intuition, which is so important. I feel like during this time, it's like the time to do yeah. that. She's, <laughs> um, she's a psychic medium. She has her own podcast. So you think you're intuitive and she's also going to be an author soon. Mm-hmm. And she's one of our dear friends and she's one of the only two or three psychics I've seen that are like the real deal. So this is going to be awesome. We all need to better connect with our intuition and I'm excited to get activated by our girl. Yeah. Yeah. She's so, so incredible. Um, So you can find out more and sign up for the uh, new paradigm digital workshop series at almost 30 podcast.com slash new dash paradigm. Yep. Our shop is also popping. Shop is popping. Popping. So we have a bunch of the workbooks. We have all of our workshops that we've done thus far recorded. So those are like two and a half hours of content that is really actionable and really specific to the topic. And we just wanted to really give you guys a place where you can hear all the ideas and concepts on the podcast podcast that we have. And then this would be the next step to really implementing those ideas and concepts in your life, whether it's the dream downloadable, the inner peace pack, or the affirmations downloadable. We just have so much in there that feels really good. And we're so excited. You guys are loving it. Yeah. It's kind of nice too. And you know, I have these like on my desktop where you have like a folder of just like 
resources and tools you can tap into when you're feeling like a little ungrounded and it could take like five minutes just kind of popping into those affirmations and you know in whatever way feels good to you whether it's saying them out loud or just meditating on them just having like a support folder on your desktop where these things live has been actually really great for me because there are times in which I'm feeling like not myself I'm like what do I do where do I go mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like our intention is really to provide you with those resources that have really, really helped us. So excited to offer those shop to you. Shopalmost30.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. So new paradigm. We talked shopalmost30.com. And our retreat. Retreat. Our retreat is happening. Thank goodness. So it's going to be happening in August, second week of August. We had to move it from May because of everything that went down. And we have a few spots left. So it'll be at Calamigos Guest Ranch, which is a five-star, gorgeous, very woodsy, Malibu restoration hardware vibe. And we are bringing our favorite healers and teachers to you. So this is a very jam-packed like week together, but it is doing a lot of the work. Like we just had such, so many epiphanies, so many emotional moments, so many fun moments, so much discovery during our retreat last year. It was incredible. And we have so much within our goodie bags from our sponsors, so much free, awesome, conscious product that we give you. And you get time with Lindsay and I for the entire week. So the retreat is super special. Um, You can join us still at almost30podcast.com. We have a tab underneath events for the retreat. Yeah. Cannot wait to see you. And today's episode... This is a really good one. So good. This is such a <laughs> good one. I know we say that we a lot. Love, we but... love Joe and Lo. They're darlings. We've met Joe a few years ago, or two years ago mm-hmm. when we started to work with Cure Nutrition um, as our CBD partner. They have incredible CBD, a very conscious, earth-loving brand. And they also have CBD cookie dough, which is my fave. Cookie dough. There's, I've been cooking with the olive oil that they yes, have. The spices. Zen caplet, they have Zen caplets, which are mushrooms and CBD, which help me to lucid dream. So I've been healing a lot, lucid dreaming. And Joe is just an awesome person. He is truly one of the kindest, smartest people. And I feel like we're very, very similar in the way that we run our business and the way that we have just like a constant stress running through our veins (laughs) (laughs) and being projectors. But getting to know them and the Cured family by working together with them has been such a joy. And then to have him and Lo on the show to talk about their relationship, to talk about uh, her healing from her eating disorder, from a lot of the pain that she's gone through together with Joe. So I think this episode is super powerful to see how we can heal in relationship, Mm -hmm. see how we can heal in love and see how we can use our shadows to really reveal the deepest parts of ourselves and come together even better. Yeah. It was also inspiring for me to kind of hear them speak to one another and just like what questions you ask, how do you invite the other into conversation around something that's really hard and uncomfortable? So I, I really, really appreciated their vulnerability. This, this episode is vulnerable. I would also say just caution that it might be um, a trigger to some people. We talk about eating disorders and suicide. So I just want to say that right now in case, you know, you want to skip this one, but I just, I'm so grateful for this conversation and Joe and Lo have a podcast as well. It's the Joe Lo show. And again, uh, if you have not tried Cured Nutrition, it's an incredible brand that we just feel so aligned with 
with and their products are incredible. Yep, curednutrition.com. Get their CBD cookie dough. It's the bomb. The Zen caplets are incredible for lucid dreaming. Like I said, you love the olive oil. They have Mm -hmm. great um, original CBD and the code is almost 30. So curednutrition.com, all of their products you can get at a discount with code almost 30. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we really appreciate um, your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot to us. So if you you. have a moment and just want to share a few words about Almost 30, that would mean the world. We'll read a review on the other side of this and join the Secret Facebook group. We have over... I don't even know, close to 20,000 people in there just talking every day, supporting one another. It's the, I think the most fun supportive place on the internet. So join it. Join it. We'll see you guys on the end and really, really enjoy this one. Love you. Wait, did you guys talk about open relationships early on in your relationship? We did. Well, before we we were even in a relationship, our very first weekend together... Joe goes, I want you in my life forever, so we better just stay friends. Oh, that's I'm obsessed so with that. And it works. That's a good way to push her away. Yeah, it really works. And I said, I love you as a person. Yeah. And then I agreed to being friends. And then he said, Have you ever thought about an open relationship? I'm like, No. She's really killing it. <laughs> no. Got it Wait, right where away. did you get that? Or did you really believe that? Well, you were really into Aubrey Marcus at the time. Mm, and you yeah. were asking me if I had heard of Sex at Dawn and read the book. Just and, being curious. Yeah. Yeah. Just being super no curious shame. and no also shame. being like, wow, I've failed out of a lot of relationships 100%. in the past. So maybe I need to do it differently. Uh, actually, I just need to work on myself. Yes. I realized. But, mm-hmm. you know. We're all searching. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing about it that was like so captivating with, with Aubrey and, and we admire him and I think he's incredible is like the concept of love being infinite. Mm. So if love is infinite, then we should be able to have intimate loving experiences with an infinite amount of people. And so when he said that, I was like, wow, that's, that's correct. And so it's one of those things that you kind of start at the beginning with like a concept or idea that everyone agrees on. Everyone agrees love is infinite. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then you move to the next thing. Like, well, if you agree that love is infinite, then you agree that you should be able to love as many people as you want. You're like, yes. Well, if you agree upon that, then you agree (laughs) that you should be able to invite your wife's best friend. You know what I mean? It's kind of like working from like a concept or ideal that everyone agrees to and getting down to like where you're having multiple partners, which I don't disagree with. It's just fascinating to me. It really is. Mm -hmm. It really is. And we haven't, I mean, we, we like to explore all sorts of conversations. That's like that's one of our favorite things to do. And you can feel the expansion. You can feel the contraction. You're like, mm, maybe I should like look into that a little bit more in myself. I think that that's helped us a lot as a couple mm-hmm. just to just to be curious because you never know where conversations are going to go. And it's actually just helped us grow a lot closer because mm-hmm. you, you kind of get to learn. Oh, like you thought differently than I thought you did, or you know, whatever it may be. It's like we have ideas and understandings that we think we have until we actually like 
let the other person speak. <laughs> and, then, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> that story that I was making up was actually wrong. I think we also then have an opportunity to think about why we have the beliefs that we do and if they're actually ours mm. or if they belong to our family, if they belong to society, if they belong to our gender, right? No. Or if they're actually ours and if we align with them. And we've had really uncomfortable conversations but we come out of them more aligned with what our truth is and what we want to be, what we want to create versus just going along blindly with a riptide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What has been your experience and maybe an example of an uncomfortable conversation that you've had? Mm. Cause I know you, you speak to them, you know, listening to the show, your podcast, you know, how important it's been to kind of crack you open and take you to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have any that come to mind right off the top of your head? I mean, <laughs> we, of- there are so many we've, we've discussed obviously being open. We've discussed, but that, that wasn't really uncomfortable. I think that was more so just new territory. Mm-hmm. I think what's been most uncomfortable is to actually vocalize when we're shame spiraling mm. and when we're digging ourselves into a really deep pit. And that has been really transformative, especially when we have to show up and we have to take responsibility for something that we might be projecting or saying, hey, I know that I'm feeling not enough right now and it's coming out sideways and I'm putting it onto you and now I'm just creating distance. Mm-hmm. And so if I think about a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling really disconnected with myself and I hadn't looked inside in a really long time, which for me is probably like a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I what kept saying, oh, I feel disconnected from you. I feel disconnected from you. And then I started projecting that onto you. I started creating more distance. Mm. I was being really withdrawn and hostile and irritable and shut down. And I was creating a problem where there wasn't a problem. And it took me having to leave, look inside and then come back and say, oh, okay, I know I'm being a shithead right now. Mm. And I know that this is me. I know that I can take responsibility for this and I need to look at how I'm relating with myself Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry for putting it on you. Mm -hmm. And those conversations never feel good because you're admitting that you're not perfect. That's a really scary thing for us to do as humans. Yeah. Yeah. We learned a lot about attachment styles over the last couple of years. I'm extremely anxious and she is anxious avoidant. Very anxious avoidant. Mm. And we were. I think we've done a lot of work in terms of creating more of a secure foundation. Yeah. But looking back at that the beginning of our relationship and and uh, it was definitely not smooth. And just recognizing that I was trying to pull her closer and she was just trying to push me away. And it it just pushed her further and further away. Our attachment styles really just created that, like those, you know, the opposite ends or the same ends of the magnet, just like repulsing each other. And so learning that and being like, oh, like I need to learn how to give you space when you need space and know that you're not going to leave forever. You're going to come back. You just need some space. And that for, for my anxious self, I had never experienced that before in past relationships. I had been the one to send multiple text messages, to call, to be like, hey, like, you know, to pry, 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 pry. I learned that that doesn't <laughs> work. That I'm doesn't work same. with you. Justin and I are the same. 
Yeah. If I'm like upset, he is like mm-hmm. like over me, like will not mm-hmm. leave me alone. And it's that needing to be okay, needing to for us to feel okay. Yeah. That attachment style is like a huge problem for us. You talked about at the beginning, like you guys had, you know, I struggles and I, I remember talking to you about them. So I'd love to talk about those. And then something I want to explore within it is like, when do you know that you should continue when you're having the issues and when should you not? Mm-hmm. Like, when is it too much? Mm-hmm. 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 Do you want to share? What was the first part of that? I do the same thing. Just, I asked just our which, struggles. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning. Our struggles in the beginning. So I think what happens when two people come into any type of intimate relationship is at first you feel like, oh my God, this is going to be really different. And then a couple of weeks in, you start to notice some patterns creeping back up. And we started to notice those. And I think right off the bat, we had that vulnerability trap of just butting heads in our attachment and communication styles. And for me, I was also coming to the table with a lot of trauma in my history. And all of that trauma happened relationally. And it all happened at the hands of a man. And so suddenly I was in this really confusing place of getting closer with someone who's new and different, yet also triggering a lot of my old experiences and memories. And very quickly, I fell into a relapse because a lot of my PTSD came up. And at the time, my only way to cope with the PTSD, with the paranoia, the nightmares, and all of those symptoms was with my eating disorder. And I numbed out completely. And the way my eating disorder works is I I used to restrict because it would allow me to restrict my emotions, which made me really cold, which made me really turned off and completely inhibited any type of healthy communication between us. Mm-hmm. And the more I pulled away, the more he tried to recreate that connection and the more I was triggered. And so we fell into this really Mm. toxic cycle of me running away and running into something really self-destructive and also destructive to you. Mm. And you continuously trying to reestablish that connection. And ultimately, I mean, it led to me losing everything temporarily breaking up with you a couple times couple times and admitting myself into treatment so that I could finally get help yeah we had actually met <laughs> we had met 3 years before her moving back to Colorado and us reestablishing a connection through my ex fiance of all people and when i first met her i looked at her and i said Oh wow, like that's dangerous. That's really dangerous because she's so beautiful. Yes. The way mm-hmm. she speaks is so beautiful. The way I can just I can just see her intelligence and I feel like I'd be challenged by her, which is like a threat but also extremely attractive. But at the time I was in a relationship and that relationship ended and we 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 just we lost touch for several years but i had always had this like this desire this 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 want to to reconnect with her but i wanted to also respect her and my ex and say you know like i'm not, not i'm not not talking to you because i don't want to be friends with you i just want to respect you and i want to respect that you two can still have your relationship 
little did I know that that they didn't even have a friendship anymore. So it was probably it was like nine, ten months after that relationship had ended for me. It was actually when I was starting Cured, and I had reached out and said, "Hey, like, just wanted to let you know, like, I really appreciate who you are as a human being, and I'm sorry, like, I haven't talked to you since since we established connection last. It was really out of the idea that I wanted to respect you guys and 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 your friendship, and so we reestablished connection." really over cured and me sending her products and saying, Hey, like, what do you think about this? Can and you come teach a yoga flow? Can you come teach a yoga mm. flow? And <laughs> hint, hint, we're going to stay in the same hotel room. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I had that all planned, maybe. but, but really like when I look back at the situation, I look at my, myself personally, I'm like, Oh, like I've never been that patient before. I've been the one that, has just you know bounced from relationship to relationship to relationship, and if I just to be completely honest, like if I found somebody attractive, like for me to feel like I was enough, for me to feel like I could, I could live, I could breathe, I had to be talking to somebody, I had to be establishing connection, dating, sleeping with whatever whatever it may be. But it took it took a couple years. Like I remember, oh wow, but no, like no, like that's off limits. You have to be patient. And so it wasn't for several years after we had, or it was like two years after we had first met that I asked her to come out to Colorado to teach a yoga flow for one of our cured events. And that was the weekend where I said, Hey, I want you to be in my life for the rest of my life. Yeah. So we should just be friends. Because when I led that yoga flow, I went around the circle. So this was the morning after I flew in and I was giving adjustments to everyone in Shavasana and I purposefully left him for last. And by the time I got to him, I took his head in my hands and was just like reaching his crown up towards my stomach. And I felt this warmth flood my body and I had goosebumps and tears. I was like, fuck, Mm. I love him. Mm. (laughs) Dang it. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know what to do with that. And fast forward to, I mean, four, five, six months after that, when we were in our committed relationship and we were starting to have all of these hurdles come up, I think to answer your question of how do you know if you stay or if you go, in our core, in our highest selves, there's this unshakable knowing that we're supposed to be together. And even though we were triggering each other, it was because we were so safe. And it was because we had that safety of unconditional love that we were able to actually feel the shame or the jealousy or the confusion, the pain, the fear, and then consistently come back and repair those ruptures. And as soon as we gave ourselves permission to be loved, we were able to look at the darkest aspects of our relationship and welcome in new light and new understanding and new love. Mm. Yeah. And see each other, like say, Hey, like I see that you're struggling. I see that this is a protective mechanism and it's okay. Like, it's okay that you do that. I don't love you any differently. And you can, you can be weak. You can fail. You can, you can 
feel like you're broken and just let's just be vulnerable and tell each other the truth on like what's actually going on and recognize that the other person is still going to be there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the hardest part for anybody is to to be like, I'm embarrassed or I have shame around this piece of me. I'm not going to let anybody see that. Mm-hmm. And once we started letting each other see that and said, okay, like that's okay. I th- we can work on that. And I still love you. And let's see where this goes next. Like let's, let's work. Like let's go to work because this isn't going to be easy, but we weren't asking for that because, and then what we've always said was you are what I always wanted, but you were, what did what I say? What I never wanted, but always needed. What mm. I never wanted, but always <laughs> needed. Like I never wanted people to point out certain aspects of me of why I worked so hard. I've, I've, my numbing was through work. Her numbing was through her eating disorder, but we didn't want anybody to see underneath that and understand the why and getting on the other side of that and being like, "Mm, she still loves me or Mm -hmm. he still loves me. Like, okay. And it took time. It took building up that trust and that staple base and safety net. It didn't happen right away yet. Eventually, Together, we've pulled every trauma, every core belief, every fear, every shadow out of the closet and given it to each other as a gift and a privilege to know. And I think what's so special is that we've been able to share what has haunted us our entire lives and see how the other person doesn't even blink. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. actually pulls them in closer. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the one of the most healing parts of an intimate relationship where like you can go through those cycles of sharing so intimately and vulnerably and be afraid that what you just shared is going to ruin everything. And then to know like the healing is in that like, oh, they don't blink. They, they stay there. They love you no matter what. And it just, I think that happens over and over in a relationship, which is so beautiful. And like, I think some relationships kind of hit a stagnant point because there is, there is like a resistance to going deeper. It's like, it's a lot of work. It's scary. It's all the things, but I think it is, you know, if you feel like a, a stagnant thing within a relationship, it might be just a call to go a little bit deeper, like open up that next layer of who you are together and who you are individually. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you experience any, or do you experience any like codependency mm. tendencies? And like, what, what does that look like? <laughs> <laughs> when she goes, hey, babe, you should listen to this podcast by Mark Groves. It's a good one for or, you. Or I sent, him, I sent him the book, Codependent No More. I said, oh, you, you, should, you should read this. Oh my God, I love that. like, what that. are you actually to. saying? Like, I, mean, maybe I didn't know. Well, I think a lot of us are, and we, you know, to name it that is actually like, ooh, it's like mm-hmm. shame. But I'd love to kind of talk about it so people feel less shameful. Yeah, and also codependency, I feel like as a society, we've really vilified it when in reality uh, there's a healthy amount of codependency that any relationship needs right interdependence creates more independence Mm -hmm. and it's almost like as a society we've taken this pendulum and gone from this really enmeshed codependence to Mm anti-dependence and we've forgotten how to really relate to one another in a way that's more vulnerable and i think last fall if we look at 
if we look at really any relationship that has some type of compulsive aspect or behavior to it, whether it's an eating disorder or workaholism or alcoholism or a substance, there's oftentimes codependency. And what was interesting was that we were both rescuers. And when I fell into my ED, you became this ultimate rescuer. And then I don't even know where I fell on the Cartman drama triangle. We were like always going back and forth between different roles, but really hitting and butting heads constantly. But because I had this this thing going on that was so self-destructive and this thing that you had no control over, it was really, really scary. And I think that powerlessness led to you kind of overcompensating Mm -hmm. and wanting to pull me out of it which came off as controlling behaviors. And we've, I mean, that's the opposite of what helps me. And I, in turn, really isolated. And I think probably fell into like that victim role and fell into that role of the wounded child. And it took a lot of work and uncomfortable conversations to be able to look at how we were showing up in our own patterning and how we needed to show up differently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) codependency is something that I like, I recognized how it was showing up in the relationship. I didn't know that it was coming off as controlling, but her who's been through abuse in prior relationships, like that's like the biggest red flag for her. So of course she was pushing me away, but she also saw the sparks and and light of like, oh, like I feel like I'm being seen like I've never felt before, but I also see this piece of old relationships. And for me, it was like, I'm so empathic that I saw her struggling in her eating disorder. And all I was like, I was like, there were days where I saw a ghost and I was like, like like what I couldn't even reach like quick enough. And it definitely became very destructive. But to be completely honest, it's something that I still work on all the time. Like even even through through business, through work and and you know, having having employees and like understanding how to set boundaries, how to care for them, but also know that I need to be the person that is a leader, but also has to be a boss at sometimes and can't completely care for them all the time. And I have to make decisions based off of serving the business or serving myself. So it, it shows up all the time for me. And I can't say it's something that I, I know like, okay, here's the out. It's just like a continuous daily practice. And if it weren't for experiencing it within our relationship, I think that it would be showing up a lot worse in other areas of my life, but it's really just comes down to like having that awareness, being able to pull myself back, pull yourself back and be like, okay, let's just look at the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I am like, like abandoning myself here for mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. And that like, that's, it was just so dangerous. Have mm-hmm. you read Don Miguel Ruiz mastery of love? Yes. Okay. So good. Mm-hmm. So in there, he talks about a relationship being two parts of a whole and how in order to really create a healthy and fulfilling and loving dynamic, you have to take care of your half for the whole. You can't take Mm. care of someone else's half. And I think 
we've learned relationally, professionally, in all different aspects of life, the difference between caring for someone and carrying someone. Mm. And we've had to really differentiate and identify that line between showing up as someone who is empathic and sensitive and deeply loving and deeply caring versus taking on someone else's pain, taking on someone else's burden, taking on someone else's healing process and trying to do it for them. And I think that has probably been the most pivotal work for us together and in our individual lives. Yeah, Yeah, it's that discernment Mm -hmm. between the two. You know, also too, like a lot of codependency feels to me selfish in a way because it's like they're only okay if you're okay. You know, it's really the bad, it's the selfishness, which seems kind and compassionate, but it's really very selfish, Mm -hmm. which can be like frustrating and just like so, and especially if you're able to see through it, it's like very maddening. Okay. So I just know that so many people are listening, so many women, and they're like, how do I, how do I get this? How do I get this openness? How do I get this commitment to growth? How do I get like a man that's going to look at himself? How do I get, how am I able to communicate and give him the codependency podcast? And he's not like, what is this? I'm over it. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you guys, how would you, or what advice would you give to someone who's in a relationship or anyone that's listening that wants to see growth in their relationship together and in their man? Mm -hmm. When it comes down to it, it has to be that person's choice to actually look at it. Uh, And when I look at our relationship, I was like, you gave me the tools. Like, that's all we can really do is we can (laughs) hint, hint, nudge, 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 here's the podcast, but just equip and say, hey, like, I like her speaking her truth and me saying, okay, like, I have to hold that. I have to listen to that. But it had to be me that took it on myself to actually want to look at it. And I, I don't know any other answer besides that. And for me, I come from a history of, you know, before our relationship, five, six years before we ever met, finding myself in like a very, very, very dark place, suicidal, depressed, and tried to kill myself. And spent a long time in therapy and practicing mindfulness and and becoming more and more aware of who I am. And I think that if it weren't for that, if it weren't for experiencing that, I don't know if I would have ever heard her. I probably just would have went on, okay, fine, on to the next one, to be completely honest. Yeah, so yeah, I, it, it, it comes down to it that person actually wanting to look at it. But as a partner, all you can do is just show up in love and present tools, Mm -hmm. present just compassion. I I think we, we had, we did a podcast, just the two of us on like creating, it was like creating a conscious conversation, but we like, we called it the compassion sandwich. Like you have to show up with compassion first, then you get down to the vulnerability the personal responsibility. If you can both be vulnerable, then you can take personal responsibility where personal responsibility where you need to, and then sandwich it with compassion once again. I think that that like recipe has been has been a huge core, a huge piece at the core of semi successful uh, navigation through these things. You know, it, it hasn't been easy, but 
leading with that and then just taking the personal responsibility is really the only way that you can take the next step forward. And if we break that down, what is personal responsibility? It's showing up and and being vulnerable and saying, this is how I'm feeling. This is how it's impacting me. And this is what I need. And that's really, really scary, right? To admit that we have needs because once we admit that we have needs, there's this chance that those needs won't be met. And we all have that fear of, oh my God, I'm going to be too much. I'm asking for too much. I'm not enough. What what are they going to think? And again, it comes back to what is my half? My half here rests on me showing up and using my voice and saying, this is what I need from our relationship. I promise I'm going to continue to be curious and vulnerable and compassionate and take responsibility, but this is what I need and it's not negotiable. Mm -hmm. And so you can either show up and you can meet me where I'm at and we can do this work together or you can opt out and that's okay, but we won't continue this relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think from the get-go, we had that understanding and that agreement because we knew that we wanted to be together and that meant doing the hard work. That meant saying what we needed when we needed it and expecting the other person to be receptive. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing that I love uh, more than anything, and this is this has taught each other a lot about the other person, is the Brene Brown like, this is the story that I'm telling myself. Yeah. And you I can just actually did a like, podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was yes. one day that I walked into uh, Lululemon when Lo was working there and helping out over the holidays and she wasn't wearing her wedding ring. I was wearing a silicone one. <laughs> but I told myself, I told myself a really good story of why she wasn't wearing that. And I made Damn. a capital T truth. And when she got home, we were not in a good situation. Like who's coming to see you? Why weren't you wearing your ring? Like, I told myself all of these wow. stories yeah. and <laughs> allowing the other person to like, hey, like nudge and say, hey, like, can you actually tell me what this story is that's going on in your head? Because I don't know if it, I, I would I would beg to assume that it might not be correct. And, you know, who knows? Sometimes we might be correct, but other times we can blow things so out of proportion. We can be off we can be off in some crazy story that's so far from the truth. And I will like raise my hand right now and say that I've, I'm somebody that's done that my entire life. Like I mm. can make a mountain out of a, out of a molehill like really quickly. We are so imaginative. Yeah, and creative. Sure. Like, oh, you have a yeah. good imagination. And I think with social media now too, like we're almost doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we're looking at someone's like page where we're like, okay, I'm going to assume you, you kind of assume like 10 things about that person. And so it's no wonder that we're actually doing that like IRL with people as well. You mm-hmm. know, it's, mm-hmm. but that's so, I, I think the, the story I'm in is, is so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. I also, you know, you mentioned your depression mm-hmm. and, and even with your eating disorder, I'm wondering, like, is there an underlying fear ever that it will come up again? Like, is there ever this like, okay, like things are good now. And then, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I feel that about people in my life. Yeah, My brother struggles with depression. Sometimes I'm like, okay, so he's good right now. And, you know, is next week going to be okay? I just kind of have this yeah. like anticipation energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is, do yeah. you deal with that? 
I think that you felt that for a while when I first Mm. discharged. Big time. I was, I got really sick, really sick. And then I went through, once I left treatment, that's when life actually got even harder for us because I had a lot come up during treatment and it opened up doors to things Mm -hmm. that I hadn't looked at yet. How long were you in treatment? Um, two months, just a day. Um, IOP. It was my second stay. I had been there a couple years earlier. And the first time in treatment, it was really, let's stabilize. Let's get you physically well. Let's get you weight restored. Let's not touch anything emotional or traumatic. And so it was just this band-aid. My second time in treatment, we started looking at all of the trauma. I went in thinking I was going to talk about this group of traumatic experiences ended up talking about a bunch of traumatic experiences that I had never even looked at yet. And doing that meant changing and inevitably ending a lot of relationships in my life with people who I never thought I would have to say goodbye to. But that happened in a really messy way. And as all of that unfolded, And we were navigating this new territory of Lauren in recovery and trying to live without behaviors yet constantly triggered and going through immense grief and immense relationship ruptures. It was really, really scary for you. And my eating disorder was the first time you'd ever been around a raging eating disorder. You had never seen that before. And in the fall when it came up, it came up out of left field and it came up without you anticipating it. And so I think seeing someone fall so rapidly in such an unexpected way really shatters any sense of stability that you have. And I think that aspect of the powerlessness when you're dealing with someone who's who's quote unquote sickness is an addiction of sorts. And there's again, that compulsive nature to it. I think that that creates even more of an internal struggle as the person who's the lover or the support. So throughout the earlier months of last year, I think you absolutely were walking on eggshells and it took me having to ask you and tell you, hey, I need you to trust me. I need you to not expect me to relapse. I need you to actually expect me to be okay. And I need you to know that I've got this and I can handle it. I'm good and I want to be good. And if I'm struggling, I'm going to let you know. And we're going to have a conversation about it. And that that was a really big ask. But as soon as I started vocalizing it, I think you started actually having more and more faith because we were having those conversations. Now, I don't tiptoe around you possibly feeling depressed. To me, it doesn't scare me. I know that we both have this breath of experience and this access to so many big emotions. And I think that's such a gift. I think to be sensitive is so beautiful. And to be sensitive and to have these really low lows is really transformative. And it gives us this really rich experience as human beings. And I don't want to 
put it in a corner and say that it's bad. And so even if there's a time when you're depressed again, I don't think that it's bad. And I don't think that you're sick. I think that you're feeling. And I think that we're going through a really big experience together. And I'm curious, do do you feel like you still tiptoe around my ED at all? No, no, not at all. But in the beginning, it was very difficult. And I I projected a lot of things in the beginning because... Like what? Well, to be completely honest, like looking at my past behaviors in relationships where I had cheated in the past, I had been unfaithful. I had this story in my head of, oh, like I'm still learning what an eating disorder is. I... I needed this to happen, but when she broke up, when she broke up with me, it was the first time that I've had ever been broken up with in my entire life. So I was taking all my control. I was like, "Whoa, like I'm powerless. Mm, I need that." But I didn't think that we were actually going to get to the 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 depths of the place that we got to, and it was really scary. And I was also getting messages of like. Yeah, like like Lauren's life has been tough. And Lauren's life has been full of full of times like this. And you can be more specific. Yeah, I mean if you I, want. I was told that by my family that she's been st- struggling with depression and and these struggles her entire life. So of course I go wow. I love you so much and I care about you so much. And that's really scary. Like that, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that, but I'm here and I'm signing up for that because everything that's been reflected to me through the course of, you know, the first six to eight months of our relationship was showing me that, yes, that may be true. And no, it's not true. It's not true. (laughs) And no, it's not true. But yes, you've, yes, you've had depression. Yes, you've struggled. Yes, so have I. And there's work that I need to do too. And if I can do my work and I can show up, then I can trust myself and not project some of my own insecurities and embarrassments onto her. And I can just sit back and say, oh yeah, she's doing the work every single day. And she's, she, I, don't have to, I don't have to police. I don't have to ask all the time. I just have to show up and love and and just ask questions and say I'm here and love in just a completely different way. Say hey like I'm a shoulder that you can cry on. I'm I'm here when you need me. I'm here when you want to talk and I trust in you and I've watched I've watched you make such massive strides and changes in your life. I'm going to do the same and I'm not going to project anything onto you and by not trying to not project and recognizing that those patterns that I was told were were truth, recognizing that those were wrong, and recognizing that there were a lot of external factors that were contributing to those experiences in her life, it made me look at her for her and not her for the experiences that she had, the traumas that she experienced, and understanding, of course, she acted in a certain way to protect herself. Like, mm. who wouldn't? I, I protect myself in a certain way. And now I'm beginning to realize that she must be doing the same thing. It just looks different than the way I do it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it was scary. It was scary for sure. Imagine. But you know, now, now a year afterwards, we have 
we've just built such a, a trust in each other that after sharing some of our deepest, darkest secrets and now still still being where we are and progressing every single day, it's not as it's not a fear like it used to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it definitely was in the beginning. Yeah. A lot of times with, you know, I think men are men and or people that are codependent have a hard time understanding fully like what you're going through like maybe with ed you had this so how do you grapple with not fully understanding but but being there Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's almost the letting go of the attachment to understanding how someone's feeling how how Mm -hmm. do you how do you guys do that yeah at first it really was this like fix it problem solve and my ed was this thing to be rationalized and then to be taken care of and that was a really big lesson for you and for us to come to together that there's no way to rationalize some things especially with emotions right especially with experiences i mean our experiences are so subjective and i can't i can't quite sit here and explain I mean, we could think about love you can't explain love to someone who's never felt it i can't explain an eating disorder to someone who's never felt it you can't explain the color red to someone who's never seen it mm-hmm. and so i think there's this fundamental need to let go and to listen to be open, to be curious, and to, again, just trust. And that's, I mean, it started with me asking you to read things or sending you articles or you picking up books, but none of that was helpful. None of it at all was helpful to you understanding me as a woman, as an individual, as a unique person with a unique heart. And I think creating that understanding was just a matter of having those conversations and him understanding that he was going to learn just by watching and witnessing and observing rather than following this handbook of, okay, if this, then this, and then this, or this is how we solve the problem of this behavior or Right. Mm. Yeah. I, tr- I mean, I tried to intellectualize everything. I, I, I'm an engineer. I'm a nerd. I'm a numbers person. I'm like, what's the equation? I can find the solution. And there's no, you can't solve for X in that equation. All you can do is say, I guess you solve for love. You solve like, that's what, that's what you do. And that's all you can do. So yeah, I mean, I, I read several books, but for me, I ended up had I had called a friend at the time that had experienced a similar situation. And he goes, Is she the one? And I go, Yeah. Yeah, she's the one. And and that's why this is so hard for me. And he goes, just let go and trust. She'll come around if she's the one. She'll come. She <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> Just just mm-hmm. let go yeah. and trust and take care of yourself and show up in in the best way that you can. And if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the, all the learning that I really needed to do because let's be honest, like eating disorders are very complicated. They are very hard to understand. Yeah, they're very, very tricky. But you said that perfectly. I think at the end of the day, when we're struggling, it's not that we need advice. 
It's not that we need a solution. It's that we need someone with open arms and with an unconditional heart and listening ears and emotions, right? I just needed someone present. Mm -hmm. That was it. I didn't know how to just be. That's what you would always say. I just, just need you be, to be. Joe, just I'm like, be. fuck, I know how to do. You're like sitting there, you're like, is this it? <laughs> I'm the doer. Like, I'm the doer. Uh, That's what, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, we're the, the first, same. We're the first the same time person. we met. Yeah, we're like, oh, Everything projector. you're saying, I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said something, you mentioned like your family, and I'm just kind of curious, like, now that you are a unit, you know, what has been your experience with your families and just kind of them knowing you growing up and now just like at a rapid rate evolving? Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful question. (laughs) Well, for me, I no longer have a relationship with anyone in my family. And growing up, we were very enmeshed. And so there's been a lot of grief, but us becoming a unit actually exacerbated a lot of the family dysfunctional dynamics because I had someone else coming in and quote unquote taking their place. And I actually just finished writing about this a couple of hours ago. I think that there are times in life when we're we're faced with this seemingly impossible decision of having to choose between our truth and feeling loved. And sometimes it's, do we choose to feel loved by this person and neglect ourselves and abandon our truth and and vacate our bodies and vacate our souls so that we can stay in what feels stable yet is destructive? Or do we choose our truth and have to endure the rejection that feels unsurvivable. And my entire life up until last January, I choose I chose love. I I didn't know what my truth was. And safety. After, Would you say safety? I chose the love of my family. Yeah. Which was safety. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And by hitting rock bottom, Right. And then by entering into this new relationship and having this mirror and being shown unconditional love for the first time and and this love that didn't need approval, right? This love that didn't need me to wear a facade or put on a mask or put on a smile. I started realizing that I could have truth and have love at the very same time. And I chose that. I chose myself. I chose our relationship. I chose my my authenticity and I lost my family. Yeah. 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 I mean I can I can share my relationship and my my learnings with my family, but I that's been the biggest yeah, transformation mm-hmm. and it's made us come together as a unit so much stronger and so much more in and just it just like creates that trust of okay now it's not like me versus them which it like felt like it felt like a comp it felt like a competition kind mm. of it was like oh mm. like who wins Lauren's love mm. yeah which I I'm sure a lot of people have fallen into that trap in an intimate relationship is like you know the joke of like the in laws but like it actually that goes way deeper than like the like 
what that actually like at the surface level is trying to say and mm. and not that i mean we've we've learned so so much and the most important piece is just hey how do we take all of these experiences and how do we learn from them and how do we move forward into the future and build the life that we want to build and that doesn't mean that relationships are done forever. That doesn't mean that there's a hatred. That doesn't mean any of that. Actually, there's there's love and there's compassion, just mm-hmm. like we were saying earlier. And there's understanding by looking at the whole situation. It's just, okay, m- maybe the awareness that we are so longing for in any relationship, it's just not going to come at the time that we want it to come, but that doesn't mean that it can't come. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's been huge for us is being able to get to this point where with my family, there's no animosity, right? There's no resentment. From both sides? Um, no. From me. Okay. That's the only path yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, of course. Right. <laughs> and I think and I think that's that has been beautiful, right? I, I was very blatantly disowned um with a lot of cruel words. And it that was my worst fear actualizing, right? Losing my own family, my my blood saying that I'm not enough. And it took a minute, but to be able to sit here and to say, for me, there's no animosity in my heart. There's no resentment in my heart. Me doing my work and showing up for myself and for our relationship is also looking at, with this bird's eye view, the entire system that was playing out in my household growing up and being able to look at each individual, not even as a family member, but as a human being, and being able to look at their entire lifetime of experiences and how they've been shaped and their emotions and their belief systems and their trauma. And I was able to start seeing my own parents as these wounded children. And once I got there, suddenly just all of this, this, like stagnant energy that was kind of blocked around my heart just started to dissipate because I could have more compassion for them. And I think I actually, this was on who, why can't I remember her name? Who wrote Educated? Mm. The book Educated. I don't know. Mm, Dang it. I wish I knew. But your mom actually sent me the podcast to listen to. And in it, she had some similar experiences with her life growing up and with um, developmental and relational traumas. And at one point in the podcast, she said that, especially when we think about family members, there, there comes a point when you have to acknowledge and can acknowledge that you can love someone, you can miss someone, and you can still understand that they don't have a place in your life anymore. And that the role that they might be playing is extremely harmful and destructive. And that's where we've both gotten with my family is I I love them deeply. And of course, I miss them. And of course, I think when we lose someone, the grief process, there are ebbs and flows. And especially when we think about all of these big monumental moments that we've had as a couple, like getting married, right? I didn't hear from my family for that. 
And there's a lot of grief there. There's immense pain and sadness and, and still confusion. Yet I can sit here and say, I understand. I have compassion. I, I get that you're hurting. I love you. I miss you. And you don't get to be in my life. Mm. Powerful. Incredibly healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a process. I'm watching them look at each other in the eyes. I know, Very it's so sweet. cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was really brave. Yeah, yes. that was. You're brave. Thank You're you. brave. Yeah. I want to talk about joy, how you guys like express joy mm. and love and like happiness to one another, like how you can move from a place <laughs> of deep work, trauma healing to like joy. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. We got to dance. Oh, we got to dance. Yes. That's one of the most, <laughs> that, you know, I'll be honest. I, it's so fun to feel like a kid again. It's so fun to actually experience play again. And as somebody, well, we're both achievers for sure. Achievers, control freaks, perfectionists. Yeah, all of the above. Like, reminding each other that we need to find times to play. And for us, it's usually in the evening around dinner time when she's in her flow and is cooking and doing her favorite thing, which is the most beautiful thing to watch. But I, I'll come home from a day of work at the office and just having those times of turning on music, moving our bodies, feeling like a little kid again and experiencing like watching the other smiling, feeling joy, and then doing it for yourself and feeling like free again. And that's something that's been so important for us. And to be honest, we fail at very often, but remembering that that's important for our relationship, for ourselves as human beings to experience that joy, to be able to put a smile on your face and just come back to like life and, and understanding that this is an experience and understanding that we're going to continue to fuck up. We're going to have times where we're hurt. We're going to have times where we're depressed. I might get depressed again. It's, it's a nature of our experiences, but to know that there are things like that that bring us joy. And for a while it was, we were going through a time of, okay, one month we got to go see live music together and we got to go dance. We got to go move our bodies together because that we can be so fully present and in our flow. And so just not, not caring Mm -hmm. about what else is going on in the outside world. So that's personally for me, the most joy, the, the joyous thing that I go to and think about when I think about how we cultivate that in our relationship. Yeah, without a doubt. And one of the things that you mentioned, I really, really love and want to reiterate because it's so important. I think as we're doing the deep work, as we're feeling maybe the the ebbs of depression coming in or um, as we are moving through our own healing and things feel hard, that doesn't mean that we aren't allowed to also feel joy. I think sometimes we feel like if we're struggling, we have to always be struggling. And we don't realize that we can actually laugh while we're hurting. We can smile while we're working through something. We can dance even when life feels scary, right? And there's this really this non-duality to life. And I think that's so, so, so important to to make sure that we protect 
in our relationships and within ourselves and within our own hearts. And yes, dancing is huge for us. And I think the piece of embodiment is so important for both of us, whether it's dancing or it's going to a yoga class together, or it's going on a walk with our dogs, or it's baking chocolate chip cookies, this act of being embodied, inhabiting our entire bodies, our entire emotional systems, our souls, our hearts, our energy, and just being fully present and then asking, how can we make this fun? How can we make it light and easy? That is in and of itself so much joy. And I mean, we, I feel joy when we go to the grocery store sometimes. I feel joy when we go on a weekly date night. I feel joy when we're podcasting and having a conversation. I feel joy when we're sitting down at dinner and I'm allowed to ask 20 questions because I'm the queen of 20 questions. <laughs> but it's just this, this practice. So many questions. <laughs> so Justin says too. He's like, why do you care what I had for lunch? <laughs> I'm like, literally, this is what every couple does. Just fucking answer what you had for lunch. He's like, we're so past that. Why do you ask me those questions? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's like, we're getting, we're warming you up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Today, I think on the way over, I asked, what's one thing that you would never be caught wearing? Like, questions are fun. Well, I love fun. questions. I, me and my friends, and this or that. We always do this oh, or that. Yes. The it's the best. I annoy the hell out of you sometimes, especially when you're hungry. Mm. You hate me. <laughs> For sure. But that's sure. my past time. I, yeah. ask, I ask things and you're like, mm. what was that one, that one question in Ireland? You were starving. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We were in Ireland. When we, you got engaged, right? Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> What did I ask you? We're sitting, it had been a long day of driving through the countryside, going to tour a castle. We finally got into, I can't remember, Cork. We got into Cork and we sat down at a restaurant and we ordered and it was taking forever for the food to come. And I was already so hungry. I was so hungry. She's like, what are five things you want to do before you die? And I was, I was like... I was like, fucking eat. Like, I just want to eat. That was, that was the oh end of God, the conversation. I love that. Girls I'm are always like, die. what would you do if I didn't have legs? And I was like thrown over a boat. And, like, and then I was covered in seaweed. And like, you had to come get me. Like, how would you do it? It's like, was just, like wild ass questions. Eat. This has been, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, this so is so fun. Like I'm very, very grateful. This is um, amazing. I, I would like to round out by just like letting our audience know like how we know you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our relationship with you has been one that we're so grateful for, you mm -hmm. know, to, to, f to find a brand like cured is very rare. We felt very, we found you right after we did ayahuasca. And so when I went to the website, I went to the website and I was like, ah. yes. I was like, Oh, this is my trip. Yes. <laughs> um, no, but it was really beautiful. And so I would love for you to share um, about cured nutrition. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember our first phone call after you you reached out and the details and really the underlying message of that phone call was like I have we both 
have this deep belief in nature. And we have this belief in our interconnectedness and in humanity and community. And really that all stems from the fact and the truth that we are all connected and that we are all of nature and nature is of us. And Cured was started three years ago now. Uh, one of the main products that people know us for are CBD products. And we, we sell a wide array of products with cannabinoids in most of them. But the desire to build that company came really from my passion and belief in nature and really in my belief in cannabis as a whole. And seeing that while I was at, uh, at Lockheed Martin in my professional career as an aerospace engineer and Colorado specifically was announcing that marijuana was legalized and hearing chatter around the office and being behind my cubicle walls and getting the job after getting like pushing destructive patterns out of my life and being so nervous that I wasn't ever going to get the career that I had worked so hard for in school and hearing some people say, Oh, like, I don't even like we had received an email saying, yes, it is legal in Colorado, but no, we don't. We don't, uh, it is not acceptable here because we are a federally funded company and me being like, Oh, okay. So I cut all these destructive things out of my life and I had started using marijuana medicinally, using it for its calming purposes and like really studying it and sitting in my cubicle and being like, oh, I want to join that conversation because I believe in it. But then like contracting, being like, no, like what are they going to think of me? Like I can't join that conversation. And just being like, that's that's wrong. Like this this Cheech and Chong mentality, this understanding, this this idea that marijuana, that psilocybin mushrooms, that nature as a whole, that plant medicine, that like, it's like this, like thing that should be shunned and, and like only the, these wacky people use it and nobody successful, nobody at a certain operating level can actually do that. That idea is shifting for sure, but that's widely the world's viewpoint on plants. And where we saw an opportunity at Cured was to start with non-intoxicating cannabinoids, CBD specifically, and saying, hey, we believe in this because we believe in cannabis as a whole and we believe in nature as a whole. We are going to create products that are approachable to any person that's going to help shift the stigma off of cannabis and can be used in a non-intoxicating way, but can also educate, educate people on cannabis as a whole. So I one day after like recognizing several people's like raising their hands about cannabis, but also being like, well, no, I don't tell anybody else that I just talk about it in private. I said, you know what? Like enough of that. I'm not, I'm not going to let that be my story as well. And I'm going to change that. I was actually sitting in a therapy session years after pulling myself out of the depression that we, that we briefly discussed and recognizing there's, I feel trapped. And I don't know why. And my therapist handed me a piece of paper that he had wrote something on and I flipped it over and I looked at it and it just said permission. He goes, I'm giving this to you not to give it to you because you have to give it to yourself. You have to give yourself permission to actually stand up for what you believe in. That night I quit my job 
The next morning I woke up and that was when Cured came to fruition. We started creating a wide array of cannabinoid CBD products that are great for the calming properties, great for anti-inflammatory properties, recovery, sleep, whatever it may be. They're great for supporting us on this human, this daily human journey. And uh, that was three years ago when I, when I gave myself permission to go after nature and create products that I firmly believed in and really do help people. Yeah. The Zen has allowed me to like heal a lot through dreams. Mm. Uh-huh. It's been the most beautiful, cool thing. Like I literally, Justin, I every night take Zen and you know, he takes rise every morning too, but it's like the Zen has really just allowed me this beautiful lucid dream opportunity where I've been able to heal so much. It's wild, isn't wild. it? We had a clinical herbalist formulate so the rise and Zen products, and then we have a topical product yep. uh, mm-hmm. that and has the cookie dough. <laughs> and the cookie dough that's and the and the by the way, yes. But those two products specifically, we had formulated by a clinical herbalist out of Boulder, Colorado, and they took almost a year to create. And I don't think we actually knew what we were going to create with those. And without fail, people say wow, I have incredible dreams taking that Zen product, which is a combination of functional mushrooms, a bunch of other adaptogenic herbs and cannabinoids as well. But really it's what we look at as like a, it's like a super supplement basically. Mm -hmm. But if you look at what we're doing there is, Hey, I believe in mushrooms. I actually believe in psilocybin too. Are we selling that? No but I believe in functional mushrooms. I believe in the genome. I believe in the cannabis genome. And we're going to take components of that. We're going to put them in a package that's deliverable and can create an experience that people like can actually go, whoa, there's something here. And we took the time and effort to really put something out there into the world that you don't really see a lot of. There are a lot of CBD companies and products out there, and there definitely are really good ones out there that are and people that are doing it for the right reasons. But for us, we just wanted to take it like another step further and say, hey, yes, we believe in it, but yes, we're also going to take the time and the due diligence to create products that are going to help people in a way that people really do deserve, and they're going to change the conversation around nature as a whole. Yeah. It's been the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, it's wild. Everybody it's says that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We even last I've night. never had a, it's, it's hundred <laughs> percent. It's hundred percent every time. Last night. You <laughs> had some best. interesting dreams last night. <laughs> I think I woke up. Yeah. I've been lucid dreaming yeah. too. Mm-hmm. I, was, I dream like crazy on the Zen, but last night I think I, I woke up talking and screaming and doing a bunch of different things things three different times whoa mm. hello 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 oh, i know you were saying doing that. that babe what yeah, <laughs> you were I saying don't, that i don't remember yeah. i'm obsessed with that yeah, yeah. 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 on the phone <laughs> oh my god yeah, literally oh my you're like god. trying to service yeah yeah, yeah. hello source is with you honestly justin will say that in the morning i always get up like an hour before him so when he wakes up it, he's this sounds like he's my son but it's like when he wakes up he always goes hello i'm like that I could come in. That's like my call to come in. Oh, and I'm like, hello. So and then that's I so like good. go in and like. You have permission. I have permission, literally. It's like when I get permission, when he's ready for me to like come and receive him. Oh, that's so funny. But yeah, I mean, 
The CBD has been incredible. Mm-hmm. Cookie dough, obviously, mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. They have cookie dough, which is the bomb. The Zen has been so profound. I love taking Rise too. Justin really loves Rise. And I really have loved it for like the men in my life too. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the women, but especially for the men, it's like something that feels approachable for them. It mm-hmm. feels like they understand it. And I've never had a supplement like that that I could give to Justin and mm-hmm. my dad as an example that they're like, oh, cool, I can take this and I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Really. You know, it's like, what do we have to do as human beings? We got to show up. We got to get work done. We got to focus. We got to be able to perform. We need to be able to relax. We need to be able to calm ourselves. We need to be able to sleep and we need to be able to have proper nutrition, healthy nutrition. And that's really like the basis, the underlying message of why we create the products that we do. And hey, they're all rooted in nature, in our belief in nature. And I firmly believe that there's a time and a place for pharmaceuticals. Like, of course, like we wouldn't have the healing and the the surgeries and and everything that goes on without them. But I also believe that there are alternatives. And I believe that we should just be curious and we should ask questions. And really what we're trying to do is present alternatives. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. We've loved working with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Cured classic mint oil in my coffee. Yeah. So good. My Mm. My little secret all of our tour. We brought it all on tour. We always would do it before Mm -hmm. bed. We'd always do it on the plane. (laughs) Someone came over last night. I was doing it. And they're like, I was like, do you want some? They're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like funny because I I just touched my tongue with it. And I was like, do you still want it? And they're like, sure. I'm like, okay. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Cannabinoids are Mm -hmm. amazing. There, There are a lot of CBD products out there. I, you know, even if people aren't going to try cured, I really just say, hey, like, look into who you're buying it from understand what you're buying, understand that there is a lot of power in these products and you deserve that power. So if you're buying them from a source that's not doing the due diligence to put a quality product into your hand, you might not get what you can actually get as Mm. a healing source. So just, just as a consumer, like just be conscious of the decisions yeah. that you make. And that's really like the education and message that we try and put out there. Yeah. And I appreciate you two so much for being, you know, being a conduit for that because mm-hmm. it's important and we can't do this alone. Like we mm-hmm. all have to understand that like together we are greater than an individual. And if we just raise our hands and say, Hey, like, yeah, I believe in that. And I want to be a conduit and educate in the best way that I can. then that's all we can do at the end of the day. Yeah. I love it. Where can they connect with you guys? Go ahead, babe. (laughs) We have the Jolo Show. That is our podcast. Then you have the Cured Collective podcast. Um, I'm Lauren Sheehy. You are. I love that last name Mm. so so much. You got to spell it. What you got to realize is that people won't know how to spell oh, it. Yeah. So I'm still like teaching her like it was, it was she. Teaching hey, her the she like, life. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Lauren, S-H-E-E-H-E-Y. Yeah, and Joseph, she, he, yeah. on Instagram and Cured, Cured Nutrition on Instagram. And Almost 30, of course, has a coupon code that oh, you guys yes. can use, discount code. Appreciate you guys so much so and much. appreciate everything that you guys are doing in this world. That's why on the very first phone call we had, I was like, yep, yeah, these are good yeah. people. These Aww, are really good people. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. All right, thank guys, you. go on, get your zen and let's <laughs> talk dreams. We'll <laughs> yeah. see you next time. Love, Love you. you. Bye. Thank you so much to Joe and Lo for joining us. 
Your vulnerability is inspiring and I know will impact so many of you out there. So if you'd like to connect more with Joe and Lowe, you can listen to their podcast, The Joe Lowe Show on Apple Podcasts. You can follow them on Instagram at Joseph Shehe, S-H-E-E-H-E-Y and at Lauren Shehe. You can go to curednutrition.com, curednutrition. Is an incredible, incredible brand that Joe founded. They have CBD products that are connected to the earth, y'all. Their intention is real and pure. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you more than you know, and we'd love to connect with you in any way possible. So on Instagram at almost30podcast, you can go to our website, almost30podcast.com. We have so many resources for you there, including our new digital workshop series, the new paradigm series that is continuing and we'd love to have you and we'd love to support you in your evolution. We also have shopalmost30.com where you can get the dream bundle. You can get affirmations, uh, free meditations. There's free things on there as well. So we got you no matter what. We love you all. Have a great day and we'll see you soon.